As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling? Welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Scrowlin, Paul Yenner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Uh, excited to be with you here as we preview Sunday's game in Tennessee. Off to Nashville. All of you very excited to be heading to Nashville. I'm positive of it because it's a great town. It's an easy roadie. It's one of the best roadies on the schedule. The weather's even going to be a little warmer for you. Everything's looking nice. Everybody loves a trip to Nashville. And uh, a lot of people have some very good memories about the Bengals trip to Nashville last year. So uh, a, a, lot to, a lot to discuss here, Jay. It's uh, going to be a, a big one. Two of, the best teams in the, uh, two of the best teams in the league right now. Yeah, I love Nashville so much. I'm going a day early. I'm going to go Friday and spend some extra time on, on – uh, the, at the bars down there on Broadway. Um, but I agree. I, the highlight of the weekend is going to be the game because Tennessee is really playing well right now. And I, I had a feeling they were going to beat Green Bay in that Thursday night game. But that Ryan Tannehill that we saw that night looked nothing like the Ryan Tannehill the Bengals beat in the playoff game last year. And, uh, yes, this is, is is a big big game. The difference between seven and four and six and five is enormous as far as how this playoff race goes, and uh, both these teams jockeying for position in the AFC. You know, the, I mean, the Titans are seven and three. They lost their first two. There's kind of some yeah. similarities to the Bengals when you look at it. I mean, you've got a team that came out started the season with a kind of a stunning loss at home against the Giants, and then they got run by the Bills, forty-one to seven in Buffalo. Since then, though, I mean, they've won seven of eight. Their only loss was in overtime at Kansas City, maybe the best team in football right now. So clearly they've got something going for them. The other, the other part about it is, though, I mean, when you look at their opponents, and I hate to play this game because you can only play who you can play, mm-hmm. but Raiders, Colts, Commanders, Colts again, Texans, Broncos, Packers, 
There's a lot of teams that have taken up residence in the cellar of their divisions this year that are that are amongst that group that they've beaten. There's a a bit of an unproven nature to Tennessee a little bit, but that said, they're still a tough team. They have one of the best defenses in football, and they that defense is playing great. So we've talked a little bit about the role the Bengals have been on the last five weeks. They're number one in the league in points per drive uh, over that stretch. Well, third in points allowed per drive over that same stretch is the Tennessee Titans. Um, So you're really getting good on good. You're getting strength on strength of the Bengals offense, trying to figure out ways to move the ball against Tennessee where no one has really had much success uh, of late. I mean, the chiefs in overtime are the only one to go past 17 points against them. They literally, they haven't allowed more than 17 points in regulation since week three, Tennessee's defense, no joke. And here comes a Bengals team that's gone 30 plus for the last five. Yeah. And honestly, that, that stretch of seven out of eight, I, I think the most impressive game that Tennessee played was the loss to Kansas city. They had, they had, a rookie quarterback back there that just looked completely lost. If they had Tannehill in that game, if they had any competent quarterback in that game, they beat the Chiefs. They shut that offense down until the very end of the game where the momentum just kind of turned because the, the, the Titans could literally do nothing offensively with Willis at quarterback, and they they should have won that game. They should be on an eight-game winning streak right now, and it is. This is... I think everybody expected it would be good. They were a playoff team last year. They were a number one seed, but they they really they might be the most underrated team in the conference right now. Yeah, and and we'll see. You know, the other side of things, Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is not Derrick Henry in his first game back off an injury like it was in the playoffs last year. Um, how will? he be able to play. I mean, he's averaging 4.4 yards per carry. He's over a thousand already for the season. He looks like the Derrick Henry uh, of old a little bit. Um, But yeah, that's the question, right? Is will Ryan Tannehill resemble the playoff Tannehill? Like, or will the Bengals and Luana Rumo be able to befuddle him a little bit? I mean, I remember about talking to Lou and and a lot of the players uh, for a story about this defense entering the season. And a lot of them referenced back to that Tennessee game, how they felt like, they were really able to manufacture looks, be able to kind of keep them guessing and keep them, you know, and, and it ended up causing obviously a lot of turnovers and a lot of you know, a lot of bad decisions by Tannehill. I mean, maybe some stuff like what you saw Sunday against Pittsburgh where DJ Reader's dropping back into coverage <laughs> and it's getting free runners for Sam Hubbard and a one-on-one for uh, Trey Hendrickson. I mean, you never you never quite know, but I think that's the kind of stuff that did give Tannehill problems last year. Zach Taylor with familiarity with him, perhaps, uh, knowing different ways to maybe try to confuse him. Uh, but that's going to be inevitably probably one of the biggest parts of what goes down on Sunday. Yeah, and DJ Reader came back for the Pittsburgh game. This is the game where he's going to be most effective. They need him against Derrick Henry because you're right. This is a totally different Derrick Henry. Anybody that watched that game against Green Bay, he was just plowing through that defense. And you know, Derrick Henry's a guy that DJ Reader's gone against many, many times, twice a year um, when he was in Houston. And um, that's the key to shutting down. Yes, Tannehill looked really good in that last game against Green Bay, but a lot of that was play action and, and 
playing off of how effective Derrick Henry was. If they if they can shut not shut Henry down Henry down, but if if they can just keep it modest and, and just keep him in the 70, 80 range, I do think that they can take advantage of some Tannehill mistakes. But if Derrick Henry starts getting loose, this is that's going to be a tough climb. You know, last year Burrow famously and it takes nine sacks in the game against Tennessee, and so much of it came right up the gut. And here now you have the off-season additions, right? I mean, they changed everything, uh, and most notably at, went after the interior on the first day of free agency. Yeah. Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, they drafted Cordell Volson, who's, who's come along pretty nicely. And for games like this, Teams like Tennessee for watching what happened against Tennessee. They have to fortify the interior of the line. Tennessee will ruin this. And you we see teams, you know, that in that interior pressure is really just what changes everything for quarterbacks. And trying to win more often there and not have it be what it was last year in Tennessee was so much the thrust of the offseason. And now you'll get a chance to see what that maybe looks like uh, as they put it in action. Can they give them time? Can they contain those interior pass rushers that are so good for the Titans? And uh, and David Long at linebacker who does such a good job. You know their their middle is just so strong there, all the way back to the safeties. That you know that that is going to be such a key to watch of how much of what we saw last year, which was just the interior pass rushers for the Titans, just destroying everything in front of them. Show up again, or will the money spent be money well spent against the Titans? Yeah, that's the key. I mean, Ted Karras has played really well. He's been not give, he's not been giving up many pressures at all this last month. Um, Alex Kappa played great against the Steelers. Cordell Olson's kind of the, the wild card there. He has played well, quote for a rookie, but it, he, we're we're past the halfway point now. These guys aren't rookies anymore. He's He's the the one that I, I don't want to say the weak link, but that's an area that I think Jeffrey Simmons in the interior of that line can attack, and it is. It's going to be up to those three in the middle to, to keep the pressure from getting in Burrow's face and and letting him do what we saw him do, do Sunday night in Pittsburgh, and that's spread the ball around. doesn't matter who's out there catching passes. He can get it to him. He can move this offense. Yes, and so we will see what ends up happening um, with getting everybody back. Whether we're talking about Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, uh, those will be you know names that we'll be tracking sort of throughout this week as far as what their availability will be. Obviously, there's hope uh, that Jamar Chase can be back. They left this window open for this game specifically, right. um, but that will kind of be a, a TBD to track. Keep it locked. To uh, to Twitter and Jay will have you all filled in on that and and uh, plenty more on what's going to happen next uh, with Jamar Chase there. Uh, before we do that, um, you know, last year one of the biggest plays of the entire postseason um, and 
a postseason that was full of this guy making big plays was Jesse Bates intercepting Ryan Tannehill on the very first play uh, of that game. And it was just such a tone setter on a day where turnovers defined everything. In fact, the first play and the last play of that game for the Titans was were, were interceptions. Jesse Bates has had an interesting year. I mean, he's kind of been in the background a little bit. He hasn't necessarily played great. The contract thing looms over. We know about him not being around all of camp. It felt like, Jay, a good time to check back in with Jesse. Yeah, and it, well, and he was he was uh, agreeable to to sit down and talk one on one. And we, as you'll hear, we we cover things like him losing his captaincy and just how he feels overall that he's played this year, and what what he says and understands is is probably his last ride in Cincinnati. For the uh, the season so far, just uh, your assessment of it, how do you think things have gone? Um, yeah, I think we've done a lot of good things. Um, I think we wish that we were kind of in a better spot uh, with the games that we, we probably could have won early in the season, but um, that's not something that you can, can't really dwell on and think about now because there's going to be really important games um, you know, coming up this last eight weeks, whatever it is. So um, I think those games are going to be like championship games. Um, you know, we got the divisional game, and then you go to the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, you can It's easy to look down that line and kind of be like, all right, we got to play here, here, here. But, I mean, you got to take care of one week at a time. Yeah. And it starts with the Steelers. Uh, hopefully we can come out and show the world what we're about in the second half of the season. So, How about you personally? I know a couple times after you signed the tag, you said that you, you know, there's your mission to prove you the best safety in the league. How, how do you feel that you've played so far this year? Yeah, I think I've played really well. Um, I haven't had a lot of opportunities, I don't think, uh, where the ball is kind of pushed down the field. Um, but, I mean, you can't really control that part. Um, my job is to get everybody lined up, make sure I'm commuting, communicating well. Um, sometimes that doesn't show up on the stat sheet as much um, as far as tackles and interceptions. Um, but, you know, my mindset is just continue to focus on the now, continue to focus on the moment, and uh, try to have an impact in everything I do. Um, I think, obviously, missing missing training camp and jumping straight into the season, um, you know, kind of got to get your feet wet and kind of get settled into some things. But um, overall, like I said, I think I've played pretty decent besides the touchdown I gave up in Dallas. Um, you know, it's just how the, how the game goes sometimes. Right. Um, I can have zero interceptions the first, you know, five weeks, and then I'll turn it up, and you know, uh, kind of comes in bunches. So my goal is to catch five of them in the second half of the season. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna see. Yeah, you only won in the regular season last year, and then you got two, yeah, and then an assist right. on another one in right. the playoffs. Right. And so it's it's part of the game. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, one of the things, I don't know how much stock you put in EFF, but uh, well, they've got you ranked as the sixth best safety in run defense. And I know uh, that's been something you wanted to improve. How how did you get better at that with, you know, not missing training camp? That's not really something you can work on on yeah. your own. And, um, I think one of the main parts is um, just my conditioning. Um, in the off season, I've uh, came in at the heaviest weight that I've been at all year, you know, my whole career. Um, coming in at like 210, being able to fit the run game physically, um, and then mentally, I, I think I've been able to see a lot of the run schemes, um, you know how, how gaps change when you know somebody moves. So uh, it's just experience, I think, and then also, like I said, in the weight room, uh, giving credit to my trainers during the off season. So uh, I'm not sure how they rank that stuff on the PFF. I'm not sure if they know uh, what exactly the run fits are. Stuff, right. Uh, I think it's more just along the missed tackles. Right. You haven't had a lot of those. No. Um, yeah, that's something that I wanted to kind of get that number down as well. Um, a lot of times it's me, one-on-one. A lot of my tackles are one-on-one as to where you know, other guys are kind of in a hole, in an alley, uh, making a one-on-one tackle. So, um, you know, I might miss some of them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that's my job to get them down. So I think I've done a good job doing that. I remember last year, I don't remember what point it was, but you you, you were out in the tunnel and talking about how you know you kind of let the, the contract negotiations get into your head too much. And I, I know you think then it was. People outside of here made a little too much out of those conversations. But did you learn anything from that process that you've taken into this year where you're, you're able to kind of separate the... Yeah, um, I think this year is a little bit easier, oh, yeah. um, obviously, because... I don't think you can talk about contracts and stuff like that until after the season. So um, the only thing I can control is how I play now, um, how I can have an impact on this team to you know, continue to win football games. So, um, as to last year, it was kind of like my first time going through it. Um, there could have been an extension during the season, so I was just kind of like thinking it like that. And, you know, like I said, just being a young guy, um, going through that contract negotiation, sometimes you don't know until you know. Yeah. Um, and I was able to go through that last year and um, learn from it. You don't just go through things and not learn from stuff. Um, so I've done a good job of doing that. Um, then also just keeping my mind clear, doing my normal yoga, uh, meditation, and stuff like that before games. Um, so yeah. Is it hard to keep it from being kind of a rift? Where like, you know, like these guys in here have your back, and that's yeah. a different thing. But as far as organizationally and just not having, I don't know, hard feelings. Or- yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was part of it as well. Um, just keeping my mind clear, keeping my mind clear. Um, just because it didn't happen doesn't mean that nobody wants you here. Or, mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of go through those kind of thoughts um, as you go through that process because you don't know. You don't know what's going on. 
um, all you can talk to is you know your agent almost because I mean even your agent doesn't really go through that process at right so um, you know it's just something that you learn as a individual and you know hopefully you learn and grow from that situation I think I have so I know um, I looked up the guys that have played the most snaps on defense mm-hmm. since 2018 when you came in the league and, and you're number two on defense you know who number one is Who's that it's Kevin Byard who okay yep David also Titans. represents yep. and yeah so is that something you take pride in just the being there constantly and yeah um, I think uh, availability is the best thing that you can have mm-hmm. um, and I've been very fortunate um, that I've been healthy for the most part um, and then also just continue to play at a high level um, like I said maybe that's not always making plays all the time but always having you know the trust of the coaches of what that will always be in a good defense um, just based off me communicating me and Vaughn having that chemistry being able to communicate to the whole defense make sure that we're on the same page so um, I think that's something that Kevin takes pride in as well um, I've been able to have conversations with him over the years um, you know I kind of I kind of like his game just like mine um, I think he's a really good player uh, very um, situational awareness he's at top notch um, Kevin is so yeah. because that is so much of who you are is the guy that's always there and you can depend on how hard was training camp to to not be there yeah. I mean I know you like to play right. ball you want to be a part of it but you had to take care of something yeah it, it was really hard um, I was able to go out to eat with the guys I think right before training camp had started just to kind of lay out um, that I still care obviously I want to be there um, but they understand the business side so did the coaches so um, had a great off season like I said I came in at 210 um, I was able to go to my, my nephew and my little brother's basketball football games all over the summer so um, there was a lot of blessings that came out of you know, missing training camp, but yeah, I did miss, I did miss the ball, the ball part of it. Um, and I think it did kind of have some type of uh, flow, just getting in, getting in the flow of just playing football again. Um, you can't do that when you're just one on one training with the trainer. Uh, it takes 22 guys to kind of fill up a whole football floor right. and kind of have that feel. So, um, yeah, it was good. I mean, it's obvious the respect you have from everybody in this locker room, but then you come back, you guys start the season, they do the captain vote, and it, it's not you this year. Right. Did that hit you any certain um, way? Or? No, I, I mean, obviously to be a captain, you got to be here. Right. Um, I knew that uh, just because I'm not a captain don't mean that I can't be a leader in this locker room. Um, I know a lot of guys still look at me in that eye. Um, a lot of guys around this locker room was here last year as well when I was a captain. And, um, I don't think my role on this team has changed ever since. So uh, it was pretty cool to wear a C on your chest, though. It yeah. is pretty cool. But, um, no, I feel good. Like I said, it's not uh, anything against, you know, the team or the coaches or anything. And I'm not a captain because the guys that were selected as captains um, definitely deserve it. So, yeah. yeah. I know when I asked you about doing this interview, I mentioned the kind of the next week going back to Tennessee and you had a huge interception against Tannehill. And um, we're not going to run this until next week. So I don't want you to feel like you're right. focusing right. on Tennessee before yeah. Pittsburgh. But uh, how much do you remember about that play? How much did that, you think, really kind of, 
yeah. you, I know you already had one win against Vegas, but really kind of propel the team all the way yeah. to the Super Bowl. Um, I thought that was a huge play part of the game, um, kind of set the tone for our team. Uh, and those games, a lot of times you kind of don't want to make a mistake. Like your mindset is don't make a mistake, don't make a mistake. Um, and it's just something that I've studied on the film and I've seen it tons of times throughout that whole week and I told myself I was going to make that play yeah. um, and then for it to happen the very first play of the game I was just like wow yeah. I, I, it can't get any better than that so um, yeah it's just something that like I said I think over you know the season you kind of watch film and people re- repeat plays and you see splits and that's kind of where my game kind of steps up to a next level um, that's where I, my strength is I think in the game is to just being super extinction uh, extinct extinctful and just being able to see plays, see splits, and then go react. So, um, yeah, hopefully they throw the ball again the first one. <laughs> yeah. You think there'll be special feelings walking back into that place? And yeah, um, not just for me. Um, I think my mom's going to go again. Okay. She, she was there for the playoff game. So, um, and then everyone here, I mean, they know the feeling that we had walking into that place. I think they were coming off a bye week. Um, yeah, they were. They were right one in. seed, yeah. So I thought, and you know, coming in, just being the underdogs and not caring what people think. And just going there, we dominated. Um, think about it. Think back. I don't think Eric Henry got out at all. Um, I think the foreman guy from yeah, he Panthers, he got out on I had missed a tackle. And then Mike picked um, off Tannehill the very next play. Yeah, he picks him <laughs> off. So um, there was a bunch of, you know, emotions just up and down. Um, but most importantly, I mean, we were, it survived and we advanced. So, so I think that has to be the mindset for the second part of the season is to kind of go 1-0, survive and advance every single week because uh, these games are going to mean a lot. Yeah, I mean, great memories, obviously, with you guys all together and you individually. And I mean, do you think about this kind of being a, a last ride, so to speak, like not knowing what's going to happen after this? And do, do you see any future here? Mm-hmm. Have you ruled that out? Yeah, um, obviously, I've been drafted here. I've been here for five years, so uh, I want to be here. Um, you know, that's what just what happens in this league sometimes, where uh, you know teams break apart. Um, yeah. But that's part of it, and uh, all you can really do is focus on the now. And uh, like I said, that's why I'm really enjoying this locker room. Um, Maybe it is the last ride, maybe it's not, but all I can control is just enjoying the guys that's here right now um, and just continue to be a leader in helping this team get to where we were last year. So, um, yeah, I guess you can kind of say that, kind of a last ride. And um, I mean, people know that, you know, I'm not the only one that's in this situation where this is my last year on my contract. You know, there's multiple guys in this locker room that's like that. So Multiple safety. Yeah, exactly, multiple safety. So... Um, yeah, we're more than aware of it. Uh, if anything, it should motivate us even more to uh, just enjoy playing with each other because um, the stuff that we did last year, the stuff that we're going to do this year, uh, you know, don't lot doesn't happen at all in people's careers. So um, I've been able to create re- relationships in here that's going to last me a lifetime. Um, you know, I got some of my best friends on this team as far as Vaughn, Pratt. Um, and DJ, you know, multiple guys. I've gone to UFC fights with Joe Burrow, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, this stuff like that, I think people don't really 
uh, think about my nephews. Like my nephews know every single player on this team. So, <laughs> how old is he? My nephew's five years old, okay. six and three now. Actually, yeah. he just turned six, and my other one is three. So, I mean, they know the whole roster. They have called me before the game. <laughs> Uh, whether I'm playing cards with Trey or something like that, they'll notice yeah. exactly who they are. So, uh, like I said, I got best friends on this team, and uh, I'm super thankful for my years that I've been here. All right, thanks again to Jesse Bates for taking the time to sit down and talk with me. It's always great to hear from Jesse, whether it's in a group interview or, as was the case here, in a one-on-one. He is always so thoughtful and detailed in his answers, and it it truly is appreciated. Um, one player that we've yet to hear from or recently have yet to hear from is Jamar Chase. And I, I caught up with him in the locker room Monday to see if he was willing to talk, which he has not been since he suffered this hip injury. And instead of saying no this time, he said this week. And I asked Wednesday and he said no promises, but this week. So it, it does sound encouraging, but there's still some steps that that need to be that the Bengals need to see from Jamar to to get him back on the field Sunday. Zach talked about this yesterday and they're, they're going to work him in. I would expect probably a rehab field stint on on Wednesday and they'll just see how he progresses. I know people kind of roll their eyes at the day to day designations designations, but that's really what this is. They're going to have to see. They would love to have him back for this game. I, I think they're they're going to be cautious, however, because you don't want to risk him missing more time down the road by bringing him back a little bit too soon. I don't think the Titans are the kind of offense that is where you say we have to have Jamar Chase. Let's not forget this Bengals offense has played great in the last two weeks without Jamar Chase. So it is going to be a wait and see type of thing. There there were a few transactions Monday, and, and one of them might give us a hint on how the organization is viewing Chase's possible return, and that was their decision to waive wide receiver Mike Thomas. And that was to clear a spot for Isaiah Prince, the offensive tackle who had been on IR since September 2nd with an elbow injury. So they they – they wave Mike Thomas, they elevate or they bring back Isaiah Prince. That that gets the that keeps the roster at 53. Um the, the reason I say that might give us a hint is because we're after the trade deadline now. That means Mike Thomas needs to clear waivers instead of a lot of times you see when these veterans get released, it's a wink wink deal that happens and they know they're gonna come back. There's no there's no guarantee of that this time because this is a gamble. There's there's other teams out there that that might need some wide receiver depth that could claim him, including Tennessee, including Kansas City, the, the Bengals' next two opponents. They'd love to have a little insight uh, into, into the operations in Cincinnati. Uh, you see those moves made from time to time, too. There's not a lot of great intel, but when you're talking about what the NFL is and, and how close these games are, any little advantage a, a team can get, they'll take. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out if Mike Thomas does get claimed. If he does doesn't that the Bengals also waived uh, Cincinnati negative and, and linebacker T gray scales on Monday, that practice squad opening um, is earmarked for Mike Thomas. If he's not claimed, I, I fully expect to see him back in Cincinnati on the practice squad. Trenton Irwin has been on the practice squad all year, but they maxed out on their, their standard elevations with him. Uh, so, Saturday. Uh, that was the third time they've done that. 
that's the max. He comes in and catches his first career touchdown pass against the the Steelers. He has career highs with three catches, 42 yards. He's really played well in these games when, when they've elevated him since Chase has been down. Um, now that those standard elevations have maxed out, Irwin would have to clear waivers if they want to put him back on the practice squads. And I don't think that's a risk they're willing to take. So we should see Tuesday, Wednesday, when whenever it is that I expect that they will announce that Trent Norwin has been signed to the 53-man roster, which, of course, means someone else has to go. And the most likely course of action there would be the release of, of Kevin Huber, the punter, um, after Drew Christman performed so well Sunday night in his NFL debut, um, he had punts of 57 and 50, both pinned the Steelers inside their 10. Um, he he had a, a not so great punt of 40, but that was from his own end zone in a tight game in the second half. A lot of pressure there. He avoided the catastrophe. He managed to get off a 40 yarder. Yes, the Steelers started in Bengals territory, but the defense rose to the occasion, forced a punt. The Bengals take over at the seven, which was the exact line of scrimmage when when Chrisman booted that 40-yarder, and the offense responded with that impressive 93-yard touchdown drive that that really put the game away. And um, I, I wrote about that, that, my story on that drive, the 92-yarder in the first half, that story is up on the site if you want to check that out. Um, just huge moments in that game. So I, I think that about covers it. For the news, um, as Paul mentioned earlier, this will be our only podcast of this week before we get to the walkout Sunday after the Titans game. So if you want to keep Chase with or keep tabs on how Chase is responding in practice, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jay Morrison ATH. The Bengals have a normal practice week this week, but there's not going to be any immediate availability on Thursday. They're going to force us to spend time with our families We'll get an injury report on Thursday. I think that's where you might see Jamar Chase limited, Jamar Chase full, whatever it may be. I expect Wednesday to be a did not practice as he goes through the rehab work on the side field. Friday, we should get a clearer picture of of where Chase stands for his possible return Sunday against the Titans. And then Paul and I will have you covered uh, after the Titans game and and, and see if if the Bengals can, can do it to him again in Nashville or if things go sideways and now all of a sudden you're back in this uh, this this higher road to climb to get back in the playoff push um, for for all things Tennessee leading up to the game. Let's go to my conversation with our Titans writer, Joe Rexroad. Joe, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was in this is like a, a, a kind of wild little trip I planned, including driving to Lambeau. And so this has been a very good reminder of why I can't tolerate this weather anymore the last few days. I can tell you that. Uh, walking out of Lambeau at 1230 a.m. with the like two-mile walk to your car that they now make you do at Lambeau. Oh, yeah, that'll whew, that, that will uh, open your eyes a little bit. Yeah, I was feeling sorry for myself walking out of a Heinz or Acrisure Sunday night. That was a little <laughs> chilly. But, yes, uh, Green Bay is a different kind of cold. Yes. Um, not not going to be cold. Sunday in, in Tennessee and in Nashville for this Bengals Titans game. But before we get to that game, you you can't we can't really have a discussion about that game before we get to last year. What happened ten months ago? Now, I've heard from a number of Bengals fans, uh, some of whom are on my tax return, who said that that divisional win against the Titans was maybe their favorite moment of of the entire playoff run last year. And then you, on the flip side, you have 
Titans GM John Robinson crying at the combine when talking about that game. You have Ryan Tannehill talking about going to a dark place after that loss. Just have you ever seen a loss affect an organization that profoundly as, as that one did last year? I, I can't say I have, Jay. And, uh, you know, certainly it's the way the game went, but it's also you know, just the opportunity that was squandered there. You know, yeah. the, the Titans. And, of course, you know, when the Titans – against pretty serious odds, got the one seed. There were some Titans fans saying, I've seen this before. The Ravens ruined it and they ruined it another time. You know, and I was like, look, you, you're going to get, you're going to take the one seed whenever you can take the one seed. Okay. Yeah. But look, you'd sack uh, the opposing quarterback nine times. You, you have two games at home to win, to get to a Super Bowl, and you blow it. And yeah, that it, it absolutely affected them. And it was, as you said, the two things that you pointed out there were probably the two biggest manifestations of it. You know, John Robinson breaking down at the combine months. Well, I guess not months, but you know, weeks after yeah. the uh, the game, and then Tannehill opening up about how it affected him. Because look, it did, I think, permanently alter the way Tannehill is viewed in this town, and, and really to, to some extent, I think across the league as well. So. That game um, is obviously going to be a big topic this week for you, the rest of the media down there. How, how do you think the Titans are going to respond to that? Is it going to be all oh, we're this game is all that matters, or do, do you think redemption and revenge are going to be real motivators for that for that team this week? I don't think Vrabel will. Now Vrabel is a big. He loves you know. I mean, what, if Vrabel points anything out, he may point out that the Bengals are favored. But I don't think Vrabel will spend half a second on that. Mm-hmm. Um, will it? Will it be in the minds of some guys? Yeah, I'm sure. Will we get that out of any of them? You know, I'm trying to think of like who are the top candidates. Maybe like Jeff Simmons. You know, like here and there, there's a couple guys in there who might allow that. But for the most part, the you know they're not going to indulge that too much. But yeah, I don't think Vrabel's going to. I mean, it's a di- you know it's two different teams and it's a different situation. I think again, it's like that game was largely about. Like the Titans did what they wanted to do. Obviously, didn't have Derrick Henry at full speed, but they got him back. It came down to Tannehill turning the ball over three times. You know, so it really is. It really is about him. If anyone, I would think that he in there would like to have a better performance against this team, even though it obviously can't undo the past. All right, let's just take a quick break. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So the crazy thing is, I mean, you mentioned how valuable that one seed is and how it sets you up. And the, 
The Titans are one game behind the Chiefs right now to be back in that position for the number one seed, but you you never hear them mentioned among the league's elite or the, the Super Bowl contenders. It's always this other pod of teams that they talk about. Do, do you think this team has what it takes to, to make that kind of run this year? Well, had they finished the deal at Kansas City a couple weeks ago with Malik Willis at quarterback, then I would say yeah. And obviously they'd both be in different situations. It's just tough losing that tiebreaker – and then you look at Kansas City's schedule ahead and what the Titans have ahead. I'd be surprised this year if they if they're still in it as of like mid December. But I mean, look, who knows? I mean, this is a tough game at Philly. After that is a tough game. You know, Dallas comes later. They, but I mean, I wouldn't put anything past this team. I do agree with your larger point, Jay, that they are overlooked. I mean, it's been that way for. Uh, you know, and I don't know. I think sometimes maybe like, you know, market size and all that comes into like you're not on the the argue shows as much or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a the it's a boring style of play compared to some teams. But I do think they get overlooked a little bit too much around the league and they should be respected because when you have a defense as good as theirs, when it is whole and when you have a Derrick Henry and that that can work for you in January. And we've seen it before with these guys. Yeah, they've won seven out of eight. Um, you know, the, the loss you mentioned, Kansas City, that's one of the games I've watched this year. I also watched that Green Bay game that has you on this trip right now. And I was really impressed with Tannehill in that game. I you, you talked about how that kind of his the the perception of him kind of changed from that playoff game last year. Did did what he how he performed Thursday night against the Packers, did did that change anything? Or are people maybe seeing him in a different light? Because I it wasn't just the stats. I mean, his throws were crisp and right on the numbers. Or it was was that a one off? Was it just a welcome back Traylon Burks moment? I mean, what what went into that performance? Yeah, he was outstanding. I, you could make the case that's as impressive a performance as he's had because when he was racking up huge numbers and you know people were talking like, is this the best quarterback the, the Titans have ever had? He had a better offensive line with a legit left tackle with A.J. Brown and Corey Davis and John yeah. Smith, with Derrick Henry running for 2,000. I mean, everything was in, in place for him then, and it's not now. I actually think, Jay, that this season as a whole has aided the perception of him again. I, look, there's still the skepticism, and I think there should be, about whether in January, in those pressure moments, he can elevate a team. He can make the winning plays. But this year, the conditions have been terrible. Mike Vrabel talked about being great around him. You know, it's nobody's fault that they lost Taylor Lewan to you know to a re-injury of his ACL. Mm-hmm. But you trade away AJ Brown and you really don't replace that production at all. Not like you said, Traylon Burks has a big game last game. We'll see. The the pass blocking has been bad. Um, the the lack of weapons has been in some weeks just astounding. I mean, like no receiver receptions in some <laughs> weeks. So for he's actually performed quite well this year given the circumstances and I think he's gained a lot of respect and there's no doubt about his toughness he had to miss a couple games but um even playing against Denver the way he did on what was clearly a tender ankle was very impressive you know you mentioned Derrick Henry there I wanted to get to him next it's it's crazy but you know 28 that's that's the age when you start talking about running backs hitting a wall and it just it seems like Derrick Henry's just kind of run through that wall like he runs through everything um the, the wear and tear, I mean, that is a real thing. And he he leads the league in rushes right now. It, it would, and if it, that holds up, it's the third time in four years. Is You think there's any 
talk or thought in, in maybe dialing him back a little bit as we get into the second half of this season? Or is there, is this offense just always going to go through to Derrick Henry? Yeah, it's a great question, Jan. You know, I think some of the answer may be the position the Titans are in. Um, I mean, basically, they have the Division One. I. I mean, if they just get to nine, they have two games with the Jags and one with the Texans. If they just get to nine, two more wins, the Colts would have to go five and one which they're not going to do. To, so so basically, the, like they have the division and they have a home playoff game. But what happens with Derrick Henry this time of year, if you're playing for something, is you're right, there's wear and tear, but there's a lot of defenses that have no interest in tackling him, especially, yeah. you get it, especially when you get into teams like that, right? The Texans and Jags are just playing off the string. You know, so it's going to be interesting. I think if they are in the race for the one seed or even just a seeding situation that might be beneficial to them, um, then I, I don't think you'll see much dialing back. I think they'd like to have more balance, and maybe the passing game will allow that to happen. But ultimately, it's what they're built around, and this is when he flourishes, other than obviously you know the one year he broke his foot. But then there's also the question, like you said, 28 years old, he does finally have that serious injury in his history. So mm-hmm. do you think about things differently? So far, and Mike Vrabel's been asked that question about – 800 different ways so far there's been no indication that they think of anything but just give Derek the ball yeah I'm glad I'm not alone with that thought I yeah it just it kind of struck me we've seen the kind of same thing with Joe Mixon in Cincinnati where you know up until that huge performance against Carolina the thought was has he hit the wall has he lost a step and then he explodes with the five touchdown game and everybody starts rethinking things um something that that kind of surprises me about the Titans uh, based on what we saw last year with them sacking Joe Burrow nine times. Uh, they're 30th in pass defense this year. They're 24th in pass, pass rush win rate. Um, the, the two games I watched, it looked like they were getting after Mahomes and Rodgers pretty good. What What is going on with that pass defense? Is it a, is it a product of them getting big leads and the other team's just throwing a lot to to catch up? Or is, are there issues with with how they defend the pass? It's a little bit deceiving, uh, for sure. Um, now, of course, they are—they certainly are not the same team that was rushing Joe Burrow in the playoff game. Harold Landry lost their top pass rush from last year, tore his ACL in camp, so they lost him right after you know signing him to a big deal. And then they've had various people. I mean, it's been another incredible year of injuries for the Titans. So Bud Dupree has missed a lot of time with a hip. It'll be very interesting to see if he comes back this week. I think that's a big key to this week is getting him back. Danico Autry now down with a knee that he suffered yeah. at Green Bay, and it looked bad. They've, as Rabel told us the next day, they lucked out because he was crying. He's on a cart, and it's you know you know how that usually goes. Mm-hmm. But they avoided the season-ending injury, but he certainly won't play in this game. Yeah. So when they have, long story short, when they have everything put together, they're pretty good, and they have you know Christian Fulton is a really good cornerback. Um, they drafted Roger McCreary, and he's been a, a terrific find in the second round out of Auburn. And then, you know, they're very good at safety with Imani Hooker, Kevin Byard. Hooker has been out. Slot corner Elijah Molden's missed most of the year. Fulton has missed some time with the hamstring. Caleb Farley, first-round pick from last year, you know, was basically was bounced out of the lineup. He's part of the reason those pass defense numbers. He gave up some big plays early in the season. He's kind of been moved out. And then he has a back injury and is hurt again. But – if they are whole, if they have most of their pieces, they're, they've been very good in some games, very good uh, against the pass and in getting after the quarterback. But it's just like the, the lineup has been very fluid this year. 
Yeah, Fulton was another one I wanted to ask you about because uh, you know you, we've got the possibility of Jamar Chase coming back this week. Those two were were college teammates at LSU. I had a, a great time talking to their dads last year yes. uh, about their growing up and uh, before the, the the playoff game. He he left that Green Bay game with he aggravated the hamstring. Right? Do you know where things stand with him this week? Or yeah, I don't at this point, and that you know it won't be long before we have an idea. But he did so, and that's sort of been a recurring thing with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually, I thought, was playing very well. I was a little surprised he played in the game. I thought maybe they'd give him that night, and then you have this long break, and you can feel good about it, you know, about him being healthy for this game. So he obviously has had more of a rest with that being a Thursday night game, but that's a huge key, of course, yeah. especially, as you said, if his buddy's back in the lineup for the Bengals. Yeah. yeah. I, I hate to make this an injury rundown, but there, it, I, it just it's, – it's always surprised me the villain – that Randy Bullock was here in Cincinnati. <laughs> and I, I know he missed the Green Bay game. Is, is he going to be able to kick in this game? And, and how has he performed this year? Well, he missed – yeah, he should be good for this game. They, they waved Josh Lambeau the other okay. day. So it was a calf, and it, he aggravated it before the Denver game. So um, it, it's a short-term thing. And, you know, he, he missed the game-winning kick, and I forget the – I think it was 45, 46 yards against the Giants in the week one in the week one loss of the Giants. So it was like, oh, man, it, it, you know, are they going to be back on the kicker carousel again? But he's, he's stabilized since then and has been fine. I mean, they were having such issues with, with that position, of course. I mean, even the year they go to the AFC title game, I mean, they, they were going – there was a new kicker every two, three weeks. So he has stabilized things. There's still a little bit of – you know, hesitation with a really long field goal with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could do better than Randy Bullock, but he's been pretty good for him. Yeah, special teams player of the week a couple of weeks ago, right? Before right. the injury. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to end this with uh, just your thoughts for Sunday and, and get a prediction from you. How do you see this game playing out? What what, what do you see for the final score? Ah, Jay, I just I'm so bad at this. I'm like whatever I say. First of all, just count on the opposite happening. I've been wrong up the Titans like all year. I I feel like you know we you asked earlier about the revenge thing, and again, I don't think it's like a big rallying cry in the locker room, but I do feel like naturally human emotion dictates that some of these guys are going to be extra up for this one. I, I feel like the Titans are going to find a way. They've they've uh, they've been incredibly good under Mike Vrabel with extra rest. And I think at home they find a way to get this. But it's there's still so many variables. Like, is Jamar Chase going to come out and play and look like Jamar Chase? Mm-hmm. You know, Dupree, Fulton, there's so many things we don't know yet about how these teams are going to look Sunday. But at this point, I'll take the Titans in a, let's say, a 27-24 game. Okay. that That's about where I see this game playing out. I'm, I'm not going to give my prediction away here. For those of you guys – Listening to the podcast, Paul and I have our, our picks a little bit later in the show. For those of you watching on YouTube, head over to the full pod and hear how close I think Joe is on that score. Uh, Joe, really great catching up with you. I appreciate you taking the time out of your your little mini vacation to do this and, and really look forward to catching up with you in the press box on Sunday. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me. Can't wait to see you guys. All right. Great to uh, hear from Joe. Give us insight into everything happening with the Titans, uh, who are not going to be happy at all to see the Bengals. They are going to be a lot of people that have spent a lot of time thinking about that game are going to maybe get a little bit of get a little like shake, you know, you get, a little, get a little twitch going on in your neck and your head when you see somebody kind of takes you back. Um, 
there will be no shortage of motivation uh, down in Nashville. No, I remember, I mean, it was still raw at this point. It's late February. We're at the combine. So you're talking about four or five weeks after that loss. Uh, but the, the Titans GM sat down with their media and he cried. He's talking about the disappointment of that loss and how much he put on his shoulders. And you just get that sense of, yeah, you, you're the number one seed and you're playing a team that finally won a playoff game for the first time in 30 years and you're supposed to win that game. And that was a huge blow for this franchise. And a lot of those pieces are back this year. They are not going to forget that. I'm sure it'll be downplayed all week. Uh, We don't care about payback. We don't care about last year. This is about this year. But guaranteed, that's going to be on their minds all week and at kickoff. No question. Let's uh, let's get into the segments, Jay. Here, let's. Uh, we got. I got a run passer boot here. Okay. Okay. So run passer boot. Of course, we know how many sacks were had last year and everything else that went on in that game. We're just kind of this is basis, kind of a playoff game rehash. Run passer boot for everyone to enjoy. Higher number on Sunday. Number of Tennessee sacks. Bengals points off turnovers. Evan McPherson field goals. What will be the highest number? Tennessee sacks, Bengals points off turnovers, Evan McPherson field goals. You know, I hesitate to go with Evan McPherson field goals because the Bengals are on this incredible run in the red zone. They're just finishing drives with touchdowns down there. But I... I think this Titans defense is a little different, and I, I, I don't know that the Bengals are going to be able to, to finish these drives, and I think Evans is going to get his chances to kick maybe three like he did at Pittsburgh, maybe four like he did in the, the divisional game last year. I don't, you're not going to see nine sacks. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be as low as two, which it was against the Steelers on Sunday, but I, I could see sacks being three, I could see points off turnovers being three, uh, and I'm going to go with Evan four field goals. So I'll run with Evan McPherson field goals. Um, I'll go ahead. I'll I'll pass on points off turnovers and I'll boot sacks. Uh, I'm going to run with points off turnovers. I I do think there will be one or two uh, by the Titans, and I, I I could see the the Bengals getting enough there for that to be enough. I will say. I will then pass on Tennessee sacks and I'll, I'll boot Evan field goals. I don't know. I just, I feel like I, I'm just, I just feel like points off turnovers, seven Tennessee sacks, three McPherson field goals, two. I'm on the record. I mean, it's easy. I mean, all it takes is one score off of a turnover. You got seven and that's going to be hard for Well, McPherson's not going to kick seven field goals and you would hope the Bengals don't give up seven sacks. All right, let's get to our Bengals growler bet. You can, of course, uh, send me an email, pdaner at theathletic.com uh, or hashtag Bengals growler bet on Twitter. Delicious 50 West beer could be yours. Christmas cookie out now, which is always a delightful thing to think about drinking. I think I might have a few this weekend. Um, growler bet, we're keeping it simple. Nice and simple, nice and easy, nice and clean. Got to hit it right on the nose. Derrick Henry rushing yards. Derrick Henry rushing yards is the number. What do you got? I think it's going to 
be something similar to what we saw in Cleveland on Monday night where Nick Chubb was effective but not dominant. I can see Henry just barely topping the 100-yard mark. That um, They do have their passing game going. They're not going to have to rely totally on him. So I'm going to go 104. 104. I'm going to say I, you know, I do think the Bengals' rushing defense has been solid. I don't think it's going to be a blowout game. I'll have them for 78 uh, in, in that game, and, and we'll see. We'll see where we end up. Uh, who knows? Uh, all right. Final prediction for uh, Bengals-Titans. What do we think we're going to see? Jay, what do you got? Yeah, I think there's some payback in the works here for the Titans. I just think they're playing so well right now. There's, I, I would have to go back and look. I don't know. Beating Pittsburgh always feels like a momentous thing for this franchise. And there's there's bound to be somewhat of a letdown, even though they, they know how important these games are and going on the road to play a playoff team that they beat last year. But I just... I think it's going to be tight like most of these games are, and I think the this time the Titans make the play at the end to win the game. I'm going to go Tennessee 27, Bengals 26. 27-26. Are you saying uh, field goal at the gun? Are you going field goal at the gun? Uh, who is is Randy back? I don't know if Randy's back yet. He was hurt. They had yeah. another guy. So I don't I don't know. I'm not the we'll be watching that this week too. Um I I feel similarly you know, I just I, – I still – I have concerns over the first half that we saw from the defense mm. in Pittsburgh. I, I have concerns about the way the defense has played as a whole over the last month. Um, they've – granted, some of it's been in garbage time, but some of it – there's been the bus that we just – that haven't really been a part of their DNA Yeah, uh, have showed up. And, and I don't I, – I don't know that – you, know, I, you worry about that against a defense that can maybe limit Burrow. I, I think these are two very, very evenly matched teams. Mm-hmm. But you you have a road game. You have all the energy that's going to be there in the stadium and, and the motivation and everything else. I'm, I'm with you. But I, I think it is decided on the last play of the game. Mm-hmm. I Either way, I, I, I really do. And I don't know which direction that's going to go. This feels like a coin flip game to me. Two very evenly matched teams. But I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm going to say Tennessee – I just think it's a tall order, a tough task on a team that's playing really well right now. Not that the Bengals aren't, but I think in totality, Tennessee's a little more well-rounded when you see the way the Bengals' defense is still having some struggles and, and obviously missing Chibay Wuzier and, and not getting as much pressure as they'd like and things like that. I think that that ends up kind of being a little bit of the difference. So I'll, I'll have Titans 24-21. Mm. Uh, all right. That wraps us up. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hope everybody enjoys the holiday. And we'll be back with the walkout on Sunday after the game in Nashville. Uh, so just just the one episode this week uh, as we get through all the holidays. Hope everybody takes time to be with their family and all that stuff. And we'll be back on Sunday with the walkout. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Everybody.